Welcome to Coach B Daily. I'm Coach B Moore. In this podcast, I share information that will help us achieve our health, athletic performance, and body goals more efficiently, which of course means to achieve more progress, more success in the same or less time or with the same or less effort. Today, we're talking about drinking milk. Is it really good for us? Before we get started, I'd like to remind you to subscribe to Coach B Daily, this podcast, on iTunes or Google Play Music. I'd love it if you gave me a star rating or a review. Send me your questions and feedback on this or any other topic. I'm at Coach B Moore, C-O-A-C-H-B-E-M-O-O-R-E on Instagram and Twitter. You can follow this conversation on Facebook.com slash Eating for Abs. And this podcast is an offering of EatingForAbs.com where you can find out more about working with me and my team direct on your health, athletic fitness, and body goals. Is milk really good for us to drink? When I was a kid, we had milk in the refrigerator. We ate cereal, or if we use it in our drinks, we had milk. And it might have been whole milk. It might have been 2%, 1% of skim milk, whatever. I have kids now. I have a refrigerator, and I, I don't have milk in it. Uh, and it's not, not because the kids don't have or like cereal. It's just that I've made a decision based on the information I had. So I figured today I would share the information I have with you, not to tell you what to do, but simply to arm you with information with which you can make an informed decision. I want to talk about first the history of things. What we need to know is what the life of cows was versus what the life of cows is. See, the milk you're buying from the grocery store is from the industrial food complex, which means there are rules and regulations and there are farms all over the country. I'm in the U.S. that are operating by these rules of what's allowed in order to maximize their efficiency in getting milk to the table, to your market, and sustainable on shelves, and make it a viable business. So, in the 1800s, cows grazed in pastures, which are green fields. They were milked once they were pregnant. They have a nine-month gestational period, just like humans. And like humans, when after, immediately after birth, they become able to give milk. And so cows in the 1800s were milked for six weeks after giving birth. They produced about 350 pounds of milk per year and lived around 20 years before dying of natural causes. In today's world, in the industrial food complex, cows are raised in feedlots and are fed grain instead of grass. If you've ever seen a feedlot, if you haven't seen one, go ahead and Google feedlot cows. And when you see the aerial pictures, you'll see there's nothing green in the picture. But cows eat grass, but there's nothing green in the picture. These cows don't eat grass. They're fed something that they're not, that's not naturally in their diet. They're often milked for 10 months after giving birth as opposed to six weeks. And they're also made to become pregnant again during that time so they can just be milked continuously. As a result, they produce around 20,000 pounds of milk per year versus 350 pounds. And they live only three or four years before set, being sent to slaughter. Another component, aside from the life of cows then and now, is the pasture versus the feedlot. And I told you the pasture. If I drive down a highway in New Jersey or in North Carolina or wherever, uh, Illinois, you may see a field. And in that field, you may see cows or horses. And those fields are typically rolling hills with grass and because that's what the cows eat. But I told you the feedlot has no green. There, there's no grass. It's just dirt fields. 
And cows, of course, are meant to eat grass. However, 99% of farmers in the U.S. are feeding cows grain. And long story short, that diet of grain leads to more problems. It leads to more stomach acidity, diluted milk, ulcers, infectious bacteria, inflammation, and E. coli, which means that the farmers, as a result, who are trying to run an honest business and playing by the rules, then have to give those cows antibiotics, which is a bad thing for us because that stuff trickles down to us. Another key element we need to know about is pasteurization. I remember learning in in grade school about Louis Pasteur and how he took the the raw milk and made it so it was shelf-stable by ultra-heating it, killing the bad bacteria that caused it to spoil or uh, that created disease if it sat for a while. And that's just not practical. If you're a farmer in a, in a faraway state, and I live in a state that doesn't have a whole lot of dairy farm, and I, I still want my half gallon of milk to be just like it would if I lived anywhere else. I want the same thing. We kind of touched on this during the, uh, the episode about food waste, about how we expect everything to be the same. Um, you know, I, I can't really deliver that milk if I'm that farmer if it only has a shelf life of a few days. So I have to rely on this process. This pasteurization process is a process of ultra heating the milk to kill off those bad bacteria. And it works. It kills 95% of, uh, you know, bad bacteria, stuff that, that's pathogenic and can hurt us. At the same time, it also kills all the good nutrients in the milk. So it leads me to the question, well, why are we drinking the milk in the first place? If all the good stuff and the bad stuff is killed by this process, and the and that's the reason I'm here, is the good stuff, it's no longer there. So what do I recommend? I think that the benefits of including cow's milk on our diet is greatly diminished as a result of the things that we talked about today. And I, in my family, have switched to a milk alternative. And I find that there are many benefits to it. Number one, they're low in calories. They provide healthy fats and they taste pretty good. And there are several different types because I like the one that I like. There's a variety. There's ones that you can try. And I would suggest trying several. There are many, many varieties. And I would suggest you give it a shot. Pick up an unsweetened milk alternative. They have uh, almond milk, unsweetened almond milk, unsweetened hemp milk, unsweetened uh, coconut milk, unsweetened rice milk. I'm sure there are others. There's there's blends of the two. I, I personally like the unsweetened coconut and almond milk combination. I think it tastes fantastic. I've replaced it in my house. My teenagers don't seem to mind. They don't complain. And uh, that's it. It's it, I get all the pluses and none of the minuses. And that's why I've switched. So again, I'm not here to tell you what to do. I'm here to tell you why I did what I did. And you can decide for yourself. That's my message for the day. I'm Coach B. Moore. This is Coach B. Daily. Please subscribe, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. Hey, Coach B. Um, I just want to let you know that I'm down eight pounds using Eating for Abs. I haven't been weightlifting, but I'm going to start tomorrow, and we're going to see uh, bigger losses due to that plus the meal plan that you created for me. So thank you for everything, and have a good day.